So you don't get you don't get no money from the Democrats. They should be paying you like a million dollars a year. Like you're you're, you're like a secret weapon for them. Gary, would you mind repeating that slower this time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you're so good at what you do. I mean, you know what you're talking about. The, the, the Democrat Party should be sending you. One way, either out in the open or, or, or under the table, at least a million dollars a year for what you do. I'm back, bitches! What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year in the Excellence in the Arts Awards and is one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. I know words. I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. And good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHP in Las Vegas and on social media and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com, last name spelled B as in Bob, A-S-H-A-M as in Mary, DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. If you are new to this show, here's what you need to know. My website is all of one page. That's it. You'll find the show's logo on top, underneath it, a whole bunch of links to everything associated with this show, including links to all the social media sites on which we broadcast this show live. But here's the only one you really need. Click on the YouTube icon. Once there, click on the link that says Live. There you can watch the show live or view the archive shows. Two clicks, that's it. Easier done than said. Oh, and while you're on my YouTube page, if you could manage a third click and click on the subscribe link, I would be eternally grateful. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you want to gab in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in save our democracy, which is and will remain our ultimate and only goal in each and every show we do. For the love of God, lock him up! Normally, we would begin the show by announcing our Trump brain-dead mega cult base dumbass of the day. However, before we do that, I have a quick follow-up 
to yesterday's dumbass of the day, Colorado's shame and embarrassment, Lauren Boobs Ahoy Bobert. And it's not so much a beef with Bobert herself as it is with the news entity that reported it, Insider, which is normally a reliable source and a good source. And the gist of this article is how Boobert is now trying to make amends for her many trailer trash embarrassments and indiscretions. And she's apologizing to constituents and even media she has previously just excoriated and promising to do better. Now, I'm not sure what constitutes better in Boobert world. What, next time she'll use her mouth in the theater? Who knows? But there was one line in the article that angered me because it was so reflective of something we have been subjected to the past eight years. Let me start with the line before the one I didn't like. Quote, in September, Bobert found herself facing intense criticism after she was kicked out of a Denver theater for vaping during a performance of the Beetlejuice musical. End quote. No problem with that sentence. It's accurate, no ambiguity. But then they followed up with this sentence. Quote, Another video of the congresswoman appeared to show her being fondled by her date. End quote. Appeared? to show her being fondled? If you watch the video even once, let alone the 47 times I did, it is clear her date was feeling boobered up in the theater. So why say it appeared he was fondling her when he was? I mean, there's no uncertainty or vagueness. The video tells the tale and the truth. And by itself, this story is nothing. But I would submit, and the reason it pisses me off, it's all part of the bad habit legitimate media fell into when Trump crawled out from underneath his rock, namely self-censoring for fear of angering Trump's base. And my anger stems from the fact, like I said, in the overall scope of things, I guess other than DeBubert's re-election campaign, this is not a bigger, crucially important story. It's nothing. But why not take these nothing stories, media, and begin your journey back to normal flaccidness and timidity? I would also venture to say the same brain-dead base and those who voted for Boobert the past two elections, they would have no problem with Boobert either vaping in the theater, being fondled by her date, and the story didn't even mention her returning the favor and fondling her date's crotch, which was also clear in the video. And we should note that Boobert won her first re-election bid last year by just 546 votes. But my question would be, how many of those votes is she going to lose next year? Any? Frankly, I'd be surprised if she did. I mean, it's not like Boobert portrayed herself as an angel in her first two campaigns. She was trailer trash then. That was apparently why they elected her in the first place. And why wouldn't they? The leader of their party is trailer trash. Orange trailer trash. But it does appear Boobert is at least worried, given her turnabout with the media and her apologies to her constituents. But again, my main point in bringing this story up in the first place is for the legitimate media to just report the truth. And stop walking on eggshells, couching things, tiptoeing around. 
You don't want to do that to Trumpism. Lose the apparentlies when there's no apparently involved. I think one of the ways to combat and hopefully eliminate Trumpism is not to ignore it, cushion it, or soft-pedal it. Hit it square between the eyes with the truth. At least, that's my opinion. If your opinion differs, I'd like to hear your take. Okay, so now we can move on to our dumbass of today. And today's dishonor goes to some guy I follow on Twitter, a tried and true MAGA. There is nothing Trump can do or say that he cannot find a way to justify. He goes by the Twitter handle of DC Drano. He's got over a million followers, and he identifies himself as an attorney, anti-woke, and of course, a patriot, which is always your first red flag. This is what he tweeted on Saturday, quote, Crime in New York City is out of control. This homeless man just stole $10,000 from President Trump, end quote. And accompanying this text, he included the most unflattering photo he could find of Judge Arthur Engeron, the judge in charge of Trump's financial fraud trial in New York and the one who fined Trump 10000 bucks for his second violation of the judge's gag order. Too cute by half, in my not always humble opinion. And the first person to respond to that tweet showed an obviously photo photoshopped photo of Judge Engeron as Gollum, formerly Smeagol, one of the scoundrels in the Lord of the Rings novels and motion pictures. It also showed the judge's clerk as Star Wars character Jabba the Hutt. <clears throat> nice. And that was followed by the insults and threats. Judge Engeron was called a pedophile. He was accused of being a frequent guest at Jeffrey Epstein's private island, with no evidence whatsoever for either accusation, of course. And some said something had to be done about him. No incitement to violence there. And for this act of spreading even more distrust in our democracy, which I'm sure began as a noble but failed attempt at wit, this D.C. Drano troll is our Trump brain-dead MAGA cult-based dumbass of the day. You're a dumbass. You're a dumbass. You're grade A, number one, bona fide first class. You're a dumbass. I have another update on a story from yesterday, namely Judge Chutkin reinstating her gag order on the orange canker last night, which, of course, I applaud. And let me just say from the start, for all Trump and his attorney's lies that this order restricts his free speech, here's the bottom line. When Trump criticizes people, they are harassed, they are doxxed, their addresses and phone numbers are published, they are intimidated, and they receive death threats. Period. This doesn't require any deep thinking or nuance. It's simple one plus one math. Trump plus criticism equals death threats. That's it. It's a no-brainer. And here are just a tiny few examples of innocent people who have been the recipients of Trump's wrath 
courtesy of his brain-dead megacult base. For you to say that... Well, I was getting texts all over the country, and then eventually my wife started getting the uh, text, and hers typically came in as sexualized uh, texts, which were disgusting. President Trump disclosed Mike Shirky's personal phone number to his millions of followers. All I remember is receiving over just shy of 4,000 text messages over a short period of time calling to take action. On December 30th, Trump ally Steve Bannon announced a protest at Cutler's home. We're getting on the road and we're going down to Cutler. We're going to start going to offices. And if we have to, we're going to go to homes and we're going to let them know what we think about them. All of my personal information was doxed online. Uh, it was my personal email, my personal cell phone, my home phone number. Uh, in fact, we had to disconnect our home phone for about three days because it would ring all hours of the night and would fill up with messages. There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the President of the United States to target you? The President of the United States is supposed to represent every American. Not to target one. But he targeted me, Lady Ruby, a small business owner, a mother, a proud American citizen who stand up to help Fulton County run an election in the middle of the pandemic. And that last voice you heard was a lady on whom we have done extensive bits here on past shows. Ruby Freeman, who, along with her daughter, was forced to move because of the amount of death threats they received from Trump's, Trump's brain-dead cult base. And again, what you just heard is just a tiny fraction of people who have had to endure death threats just for having the decency to tell the friggin' truth. And Ruby Freeman didn't even say anything that could upset MAGA. She was just an election worker who did her patriotic duty, like she said, during a deadly pandemic. And for that, she was attacked mercilessly, thanks to the no-class, trailer-trash, malignant narcissist who doesn't care how many people's lives are ruined, so long as he gets to placate his own massive yet fragile ego and rile up his equally no-class base. Donald Trump is a gas station restroom in human form, filthy, disgusting, and stinks to high heaven. Don't believe me? Listen for yourself to the QOP frontrunner for president. I remember with that Chris Christie, a guy shouts out, he's a fat pig. Now he shouted out, <laughs> Chris Christie is a fat pig. Then they shouted out, Bill Barr is a fat pig. He's a slob. He's a fat pig. You're not allowed to use the word fat. You're not allowed to say that. So they say, Bill Barr, sir, he's a fat pig. And I say, listen, Bill Barr is not a fat pig. Chris Christie is not a fat pig, sir. But I said that because I just heard somebody call somebody a fat pig. No, we're not allowed to call those guys fat pigs. Of course, you know how his base will idiotically defend that? Oh no, he said you're not allowed to call them fat pigs. What a bunch of morons. And if you can listen to that absolute bilge and filth, 
and still think this guy should be president of this country? The only question I have for you is, why do you hate America so much? Seriously. And here's Betsy Woodruff, reporter for the Daily Beast, with some figures I don't think we'd been aware of to date. And in the process, she references Ruby Freeman as well. Part of the challenge is quantifying the extent to which years and years of this rhetoric is affecting regular American citizens as well as government officials. There is one really interesting number we have uh, that points to the effect of Trump's rhetoric on Jack Smith and his team specifically. That number is nearly $2 million, which is how much money Jack Smith's office had to spend on U.S. Marshals protection just from November of last year until March of this year, just that six-month stretch from which they released their information about expenditures. A source familiar with Jack Smith's probe told me that almost $2 million is how much it was just for them to be protected, just for those prosecutors to be safe in the work that they're doing. And again, just over six months of a probe that will run for a much more longer period of time than that. And of course, there's this enormous intangible cost because of the extraordinary chilling effect of Trump's rhetoric on people such as poll workers. So many people who are the backbone of our electoral system are people like the January 6th witness whose, whose video you just played, women like her who do work right at the front lines of just making the election process function properly. And when people fear that simply doing those jobs could result in their lives being turned upside down and their physical safety being jeopardized, that has an extraordinary chilling effect on people's participation and facilitation of the democratic process. And the effect that that has is likely to stretch out for years to come with repercussions that are hard to understand now, but that could be incredibly dangerous. Let's hope not. And of course, Trump's brain-dead MAGA cult base likely has no problem whatsoever with those kind of expenditures because these people deserve to be harassed and threatened and likely worse in the future, right? Because they're going after best president ever. Idiots. And Betsy Woodruff wasn't finished. One thing that I have heard is from people sort of in the broader Trump circle who don't want to speak on the record about the former president because they have concerns about the impact that it could have on themselves, their families, their physical safety. Obviously, there are plenty of people who have worked for Trump who are willing uh, to talk publicly about it and to take that risk. But I think what people don't see is that there's other folks who are deliberately and with consideration staying quiet because they're worried about the impact that this type of language has on them. And particularly people with family members who feel that the risks they take are not just risks toward themselves, but also risks toward the people who live with them and depend on them to stay safe. We also have seen this in the case of the U.S. attorney for the District of D.C., uh, who is overseeing the January 6th prosecutions. He told members of House Judiciary behind closed doors in recent weeks, that uh, he's seen pervasive threats from around the country targeted his office, and that he's worried not just about his safety, but also about his family's safety. Again, these are prosecutors, people in government whose responsibility it is to go after violent criminals who are themselves facing these violent threats because of the work they're doing uh, and because of the, of the spotlight that gets directed on them. And this will be Donald Trump's lasting legacy. People self-censoring and not living their best lives 
because of death threats from this guy's brain-dead maggot cult base. I'm sorry, this repulsive orange pig is destroying everything that is good and decent about this country and elevating and promoting the very worst of it, the worst of it. And that was my main takeaway from Republican Senator Mitt Romney's decision to not run for re-election next year. The fear factor. We learned that many of his fellow Republican senators wanted to vote to convict Trump in his second insurrection impeachment, but didn't out of fear Trump's brain-dead mega-cult violent base would hunt them down for so doing. I mean, after all, they'd all just walked away scot-free from the January 6th insurrection and were walking around free men and women. And this is what I've, this goes back to what I have been saying for months, long before the gag orders, that all this rhetoric and the ensuing death threats absolutely has to have an effect on potential jurors. We have seen jurors from the grand jury doxed on social media, their business addresses, their home addresses, and their home and cell phone numbers being made available to every crackpot Trump pumper in the country. Upon hearing that, would you want to be a juror in a Trump trial? Mightn't you be concerned for yours and your family's safety, especially if you had children? And mightn't that affect your verdict decision? It almost seems Trump wants to scare away as many honest jurors as he can so that he can wind up with at least one member of his brain-dead maggot cult base on the jury. And if our justice system doesn't start holding him accountable, it just might work. Andrew Weissman, lead prosecutor in Robert Mueller's Russia non-hoax Russia investigation, he agrees with me. That obviously has been going on for quite some time. I would be a good person to talk about that since it, it certainly was going on during the Mueller investigation uh, and it's it's going on now. But I think the bigger systemic threat is to uh, jurors and witnesses, both actual witnesses and witnesses who have information who are going to be unwilling to come forward. Uh, it can be very difficult in high-profile cases, even with, where there's no um, sense of violence at all, to get people to be candid and speak up because they just don't want the attention. They don't want to have their names on on news stations, on in in the media. They they want to lead their their lives without any of that glare. Um, and then add to that the kinds of um, threats, the really disgusting, horrible things that um, people um, say and worse do uh, in response to um, the former president's words. And so it's very, very hard to deal with that if you are um, the prosecutors and agents trying to get people to be candid. Judge Chutkin's reinstatement of the gag order. I could read you part of what special counsel Jack Smith said in his request to have the gag order reinstated, but me, Big Bad John, and most of you I'd suspect would rather hear my gal MSNBC's Nicole Wallace read them instead. Yes? 
Donald Trump is mainlining to his base a First Amendment argument. Let me read you um, some of Jack Smith's language. Um, either designed to counter that or, or, or preempt that. Um, quote, there's never been a criminal case in which a court has granted a defendant an unfettered right to try his case in the media, to malign the presiding judge as a, quote, fraud and a, quote, hack, attack the prosecutor as, quote, deranged and a, quote, thug. And after promising witnesses and others, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you, end quote, target specific witnesses with attacks on their character and credibility, even suggesting that one witness's actions warrant the, quote, punishment of death. The defendant nevertheless claims that the First Amendment, combined with his status as a presidential candidate, grants him unfettered rights to do these things and more. The most the court can do, he maintains, is either wait for harassment or violence to occur and then take remedial steps. Yeah, remedial steps, a reactive response instead of a proactive one, instead of a preventative, preemptive measure or measures, which is why January 6th happened, which begs the question, are we going to wait until someone else is murdered before we remove the root of the threats that led to that murder? I certainly hope so. Tim Hafey, the lead prosecutor for the January 6th Select Committee, affirmed my simple math equation. And in the process, he too invokes Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, who thankfully and satisfyingly are mentioned extensively in Georgia DA Fannie Willis's indictment. We have seen repeatedly how his words are not simply rhetorical are not hypothetical, are not figures of speech. When he says, be there, will be wild, people take that as an actual invitation. We talked to dozens of people that heard his rhetoric and took it literally. We also heard a lot of people. We worked very hard over the course of the select committee's process, Nicole, to identify real victims, real-time consequences of his rhetoric. When he criticizes Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, they get death threats. When he criticizes Rusty Bowers in Arizona, people drive by his house and threaten to kill him and his family, right? This is not simply words, protected speech, rhetoric, but rather words that have an actual effect. And the president knows that. By now, he is very, very specifically aware of the megaphone that he possesses. So Judge Chutkin is trying to protect the integrity of the judicial process and protect the people who are involved in this case, because again, that rhetoric has real time consequences. Yep. Trump plus criticism equals death threats. It is simple, simple, one might say remedial math. But really, these death threats, that is how you make America great again? That's American greatness? Really? Andrew Weissman, again, the lead prosecutor in the Robert Mueller Russia investigation, mentioned something that was included in Trump's brief, resisting the gag order, and it was something I had never heard before. He described it as chilling. If anything, he understated it. And ironically, it wasn't surprising at all, given the source was the orange ball bag. One of the more chilling aspects of this case was the brief submitted by Donald Trump to the district court uh, saying why there shouldn't be a gag order, saying if there is violence, 
that's on the people who take up my words and commit the violence. It's not on me, Donald Trump, saying I can say whatever I want. And if people act on it, don't look at me. Um, that I find the most chilling because any responsible person who is trying to avoid violence, who's trying to avoid the fear and intimidation that Tim is has referred to correctly, would be saying, um, I'm trying to do everything to not have that happen, to not be using my words in a way that could lead to that. Any normal person would be trying to make sure that they wouldn't in any way be responsible for harming another person. And this is quite the contrary, where you have uh, the government, I think, correctly saying that these words he knows darn well are going to lead to these consequences. And as Tim said, that is the intent. Yep. He knows he doesn't care. He doesn't care how many people's lives are ruined or destroyed or even lost to death as long as he gets to do what he wants to do. But again, I had never heard that before. But is anyone surprised, coming from a man from whom we've never seen even once, take responsibility for anything? And it's not like he's hidden that, that, that that's his, uh, his take on everything. Do you take responsibility for that? No, I don't take responsibility at all. And just so you know, Judge Chutkin made it clear in her reinstatement that Trump knows exactly what he's doing and he knows exactly the effect his words have on his base. It's such, it's such a great term, isn't it? Brain dead mega cult base. She didn't use that in her, in her order. I wish she had. It just rolls off the tongue so effortlessly. And once again, we're going to hear from Tim Hafey addressing something we've tackled on this show, including with our guest from last Wednesday, former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner. And that is, if any other defendant had said or done just a fraction of what Trump has, they'd already have been thrown in jail. I tried a lot of violent crime, gang-related cases in the past, and I've had witnesses remanded pending trial for mentioning to others that a witness is potentially cooperating and suggesting that somebody take action against that witness, not publicly, just in a conversation with someone else involved in a conspiracy. This is the kind of conduct that routinely leads to severe consequences by federal judges, that those consequences are designed to protect the integrity of the process, which means keep people safe or not prejudice potential jurors. Because again, everything that a, that a defendant or a party in a case says publicly has the potential to impact jurors who are potentially called to sit in this case. So those are the policy goals. And this kind of statement, in my experience, has often in the past led to much more significant consequences than a limited gag order. Now, did you catch that? People have been remanded in custody and tossed in jail for things they said privately let alone public, publicly to millions of people like Trump has. Ergo, and what am I going to say next? Say it with me, y'all. Lock him up. Tim Hafey went on to say something I found most encouraging. 
again, our process demonstrates the practical manifestation of all of this, the threats of violence and the reluctance for people to come forward. You deal with it by what Judge Chutkin is doing, which is impose a consequence. So she's imposed a gag order. Judge, uh, the judge in New York has actually issued a financial penalty. But if this continues, then the next consequence is jail. I, I won't be shocked if, if the former president persists and directly violates the terms of this very narrowly tailored gag order. There's very little in, in the toolbox for Judge Chutkin, but for a period of incarceration. Again, in the cases that I tried, if, if anyone said anything that was remotely close to witness intimidation, he would be in jail pending trial. Here, Judge Chutkin, as always, is going to be extremely careful, but that is the potential sanction for violation. Now, the former president knows what the terms are. He has a lot of leeway to criticize more broadly the process without invoking individuals, and ideally he stays away from that. The other thing that's going to happen, Nicole, that I keep saying here is that this makes March 4th more and more and more certain. The best thing that Judge Chutkin can do to protect people in the face of these pretrial statements is to get the case resolved. So to the extent that the president and his team have any hope of delaying this trial because of legal issues, everything the president says makes that less and less likely. This trial very, very increasingly looks to me like it's happening on March the 4th of next year. Well, that sounds good, but again, that goes against what Chutkin originally said. Back when she originally issued the gag order, she said violations of it would result in moving the trial date ahead. Now we're thinking a punishment for Trump would be to leave it for March the 4th? How is that a punishment? That was the original date. And the stipulation was, you violate the gag order, I'll move it ahead. But now, hey, you violate the gag order, I'm going to leave the date for March 4th. Ooh. I guess we should take solace in the likelihood that the trial won't be delayed past March 4th, yes? As well, Tim Hafey said he wouldn't be shocked if Judge Chutkin throws Trump in jail. Glenn Kirshner said the same thing. I don't know. As much as I wish for that to happen, perhaps more so than anybody else in this country, I would be shocked if she did that. But trust me, there's nothing I want more than for her to prove me wrong. Please, Judge, prove me wrong. Lock him up. Now, Getting back to the news we learned last night, namely that Chuckin reinstated her gag order, what I didn't know yesterday is that the judge included a special carve-out to let Trump keep attacking his political rivals, and she specifically cited former Vice President Mike Pence, who may be called as a witness in this case. What? I imagine you're as tired of hearing me say this as I am saying it. Why? What in the fresh hell has this orange traitor who tried to end the American experiment and still is, what has he done to deserve a special carve-out or any carve-out or any special favors of any sort? What has he done to deserve anything other than dying in prison? And in this case, I'm not sure exactly when the judge made her decision to reinstate the order. I do know it wasn't reported until a few hours after Mike Pence had withdrawn from the race. So now, 
Pence is not a campaign rival. He's just a potential witness. And Judge Chutkin's original order says Trump is not allowed to attack, quote, any reasonably foreseeable witnesses or the substance of their testimony, end quote. That doesn't mean someone who has been identified as a definite witness, but someone who could potentially be a witness. And Mike Pence is all of that and a bag of friggin' chips. So again, I ask, why? And of course, I'm still wondering why Judge Chutkin's order didn't include herself, the city of Washington, D.C., the people who live there, and most importantly, the Justice Department. You know, the institution necessary if we're going to remain a nation that is, or at least claims to be, a nation that believes in the rule of law and law and order. The last thing I'll say on this, in my opinion, this is how we got Donald Trump in the first place. Fear. Fear of him attacking you. Going back to our first story today, saying things like, Donald Trump apparently misstated the facts. No, the bastard lied. And all the myriad times we saw the rest of the otherwise legitimate legitimate media's timid and flaccid reporting on him and their abject failure to call his lies the lies they were. And I don't know, maybe if the legitimate media had had the balls to call Trump out as the pathological liar he has always been from the beginning, who knows? Perhaps it might have intercepted and prevented the brain-dead MAGA cult base from escalating his rhetoric to violence and death threats. Just saying. So, Judge Chetkin, I'm sure you have your reasons for doing what you do. But for the life of me, I don't understand them. You want your order to stand up to appeals? Fine. Just give them the Basham simple math. Trump plus criticism equals death threats and violence, period. I'm not a lawyer, but to my way of thinking, that's all it should take. I don't see how any court could argue against that logic and that truth. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks, if you'd like to chat at 702-221-SAVE. Let's charge to the phones with vim and vigor, and we'll start with Magic Gary. You're first. Thanks for calling. Well, hello. Happy Halloween. Hey, same to you, sir. I never dyed my hair, but I'm tempted to dye my hair orange. It's too late to make it to the studio and greet you, (laughs) give you this Hustler magazine with all the comics uh, uh, aimed at Donald Trump. I I just want to say, I don't know if you ever took Civics 101 uh, where you grew up in Canada, but... Here in America, we understand it's quite clear that politicians exaggerate and lie, do anything they can to get in office. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, he does that quite a bit. I'm G- Gary, I, I have to interfere here. What you are doing is making a false comparison between politicians who will embellish, exaggerate, yes, lie at sometimes, but it's mostly done on behalf of policies. 
to promote their party or their own policies. What Donald Trump does is lie about everything. He lies when he doesn't need to. He tells you his father came from Germany when he came from the Bronx. Why does he say that? He doesn't have to lie. Nobody gives a damn where his father came from. But he's a congenital, pathological, chronic, serial liar. He lies but, about things like the election being stolen. He incites insurrections. He causes people to be threatened with with their lives. He causes people to have to move because of his threats. That is a gross, gross, horrible, horrible false equivalence. But but I, I'm worried no buts, about you. No buts. I'm worried about you. Ask that makes two calls. of us. You, you, you are so hung up on hating Donald Trump. I am not hung up health. on hating Donald Trump. I am hung up on the fact that he is a danger, the biggest clear and present danger this nation's democracy has ever faced, and he deserves to die in prison. The number of lives he has ruined in this country, hatred is the only patriotic and appropriate response. I, I I don't want to be redundant and repeat myself and stuff, but, but I hate the legal industrial complex as much as you hate Donald Trump. And I, I, I'm not on the Donald Trump, uh, what do you call it, uh, train anymore. But Gary, and, if uh, you're not on I'm the I'm tired tr- of hearing they, Donald Gary, Trump's soap opera. Gary, if, what? Well, I'm tired of hearing the soap opera too. And if he would just die, we could all stop. If somebody would throw him in jail, we could stop. But as long as he remains the clear and present and existential threat to this country and its democracy, I'm not taking my eye off the orange ball. Oh, gosh. Clinical call, if you're listening, you tell me in your expert, uh, what do you call it, uh, in your expertise, that this is normal or not. We we could have other, you could have other guests Gary. And, and get and make this a real successful show. I want to know why you don't, why don't you use this, this opportunity to run for, go, uh, not governor, uh, the uh, mayor of, of, of Las Vegas, uh, to taking the seats away from the bus stops and no one's talking about it anywhere because they want to spend a million dollars for hydrogen buses and a million dollars for electric buses. But the seats are gone. They're taking them one at a time in a real sneaky way. And you could have a guest on from the RTC and mix it up a little bit and spear us because our heads are exploding about Donald Trump. As talented as you are, I know that you could do better. Uh, why can't we just listen like twice a week to about Donald Trump and how much what he call it a scoundrel he is? Okay, uh, and then the other three days I would talk about buses on, or seats on buses. No, just have people come in with different issues. Like, for instance, today I wanted to own a pistol. Well, I go across the street with this old lady in the senior citizen complex. Here comes this hot rod guy blowing our eardrums out. And he's, we have the right of way. And he goes around us. There's no cops around. I wanted to pull the gun out and, like, shoot his tires and shoot the back of his car. I don't want to kill anybody. And that's how I feel about uh, where's the cops? Where's 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 the civility in this city? Civility? And you could, you could do some of that stuff. Well, I'll take it under advisement, Gary. I, pre- I appreciate the Should uh, I put advice. these magic mushrooms away and just drink the beer <laughs> for the rest of the afternoon? I think that's and, a good idea. Go. I think that's probably right. the best plan. Nice talking to you again. Good talking to you, Gary. You take care. <laughs> 22172. Hey, I do what I do. I happen to think that our democracy is in even greater peril now than it was in 2020. If you don't disagree, I would say you're part of the problem because I ain't going to change what I'm doing because I believe in it and it's what I want to do. 
and what I think needs to be done. If you would rather hear about buses and a lack of seats, well, I'm sorry. There's no other show that's going to do that. 221-7283 is a caller number. That's 702-221-SAVE. Carl, you're next. Thanks for calling. It's J.D. Oh, J.D., you're next. As usual, Gary comes up with one or good uh, two ideas every time he calls. Nice job, Gary. <laughs> hey, uh, I have a question. When are you going to talk about the violence on the other side of the aisle? As in? Well, let's take uh, Congressman Scalise, who was shot and almost died and after when, about 10 and, or 12 hours. And, and let me ask you, J.D., how big a threat did that act of violence pose to our democracy? Answer, none. It's an old story. Democrats didn't cheer when he was shot. What would be the point in me talking about the Steve Scalise shooting now, when as recently as yesterday, Trump was threatening our democracy? What about uh, Rand Paul and you his You didn't wife, answer the uh, question. You didn't answer the question. Don't uh, come back with another I what about. I want, I want answer to give, the question. I want to give the other side. I want to give the other side. There is no other side to Donald Trump. No. How about Rand Paul and his wife and Ted Cruz being accosted when they're walking out of the White House okay, by okay, Democratic okay, protesters? Okay, okay, let me ask you. And how big a threat did either of those instances pose our democracy? Answer, no. It's another false equivalence, and it's a lame attempt to make excuses for an inexcusable traitor. There was secret, secret service there to stop them. I could go on and on. Yes, you could. The, yes, the you could. How and about everyone, all the mobs? J.D. How about all the mobs at the uh, Judge uh, Kavanaugh's house? Get ready to pot them down. J.D., I'm going to say something. You just said, I could go on and on. And yes, you could. And everything you would come up with would fall under the same category as the first three you did. Gross, grotesque false equivalences. Nothing you can matter. You said, oh, I want to give the other side. There is no other side to insurrection, stealing an election, and killing the American experiment. You can try all you want, but there is no defense for that. You may speak. How about uh, Judge Kavanaugh how about, and Alito? How about, how about, what about, the, what the about? Ga the, the gangs that illegally protested in front of their Okay, house. J.D., go away. Go away. Again, J.D., write this down. Record it so you can then write it, play it back and write it down. All these lame and stupid, quote-unquote, examples you think you're making, how, how many of them actually posed a threat to our democracy? And the answer is zero. So stop with the stupid false equivalences and live in the damn real world. 221-7283 is a number. Let's talk to Forrest. You're next. Oh, no? Oh, Carl, oh, Carl, you're next. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, Doug, hi. Uh, today's a great day to talk about the orange trader anyway, isn't it? <laughs> Every day's Halloween. a great day to talk about the orange well, trader. Halloween. Halloween is a better day. Anyway, to frighten you. Uh, listen, uh, this is for Gary's, um, uh, for him. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm listening to Trump. Do you think, or I think a little bit, that he has some semblance of background in psychology? I'll tell you why. He, the way he says uh, things to people and uh, tries to get them to do things that he won't do himself personally, but he tries to talk them into doing it. 
And I think that if anybody ever harms anybody from what he says or kills somebody eventually, he should be held as an accomplice, an accomplice to that act because he's trying to get them to do this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know you're going to get no argument from me, Carl. Yeah, well, I think he's he's delving somewhere into the background of psychology, and he has a little uh, sampling of it. And he thinks he uses it. He uses it on people a lot. I hear it. I hear it all the time. He gets people to say and do things that he wants them to do. And uh, that's the problem. These people are so weak-minded who listen to him, the bunch of them, and they'll do what he wants. And mark my words, somebody's going to get killed pretty yep. soon yep. from what he says. I fear you are and he correct. Should be an accompli- he should be uh, charged as an accomplice. That's yep. basically what I have to say. Well, I agree with you 100%, Carl. Well said, and I appreciate the call. But but no, no argument here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know. you know you're not going to get any resistance from me, Carl. I, I think he should have been locked up years ago. Yeah. But, he should have uh, been thrown in jail funny. after he left the maternity ward. Just to be oh, safe. Well, <laughs> no, I think it'd been earlier than that. I think when his, his mother got pregnant, he should have been locked up. <laughs> yeah, good point. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> the call, the call, Carl. Okay, you take care. Take care. Two two one seven two eight three is our number. That's two two one S A V E. Big Bad John, you're next. Thanks for calling. Hey, Doug. Hey, John. Uh, J.D. JD uh, prompted me to call. You know, J.D., uh, the time for pleasantries is over. The time for politeness is over. You're a punk. <laughs> You're just a wise ass who can memorize one line or can memorize a string of facts. You know deep down you're wrong. You even said once uh, when somebody pointed out how horrific Trump was, you said something to the fact that, uh, well, I thought the system would hold. Well, J.D., I don't want to test the system. You know Donald Trump is a fascist, narcissistic, seriously psychologically damaged human being who has no business being president of the United States. And you're defending him is pathetic. Your children and your grandchildren are going to grow up to realize what you represent. You're a punk. You're nothing but a, a wise-ass who thinks that you're clever, too cute by half. Piss off, J.D. I'm done with you. Have a good day, Doug. Great show, man. Hey, I appreciate it, John. You take care. 221-7283 is the number. Forrest, you're next. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Doug, great show. Um, You know, this is really a a throwback to the McCarthy era in the 50s. One second. Yeah, um, that's really what we're living through, and I think we're going to make it through it. I I hope we are, And um, but it's going to be a miserable year ahead of us. I do have one little bit of good news. Chris Christie is going to be in the third debate, and uh, a lot of people um, like myself and independent voters and so forth, he's the only one that gets into a debate, uh, these Republican debates, and carves up Trump. And so, anyway, it's going to be a tough year, and um, everything you're saying is accurate, but um, eventually, eventually, I do believe Donald Trump will end up in jail. Oh, that, I hope that's so. That's all I've got. I hope so. Hey, thanks for the call, Forrest. I appreciate it. Yeah, folks, I don't think, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I don't know if there's another person in this entire country, perhaps universe, that lusts to see Donald Trump in jail more than I do. 
I mean, that I, I could die the next day and be happy. That's how strongly I feel about it. And it's not because, oh, you, you, you like to hate Donald Trump. No, I don't like to hate him. I have to hate him. A guy who has done the damage he has to this country, whereupon our new norm are doxing people, publishing their, their work addresses, their home addresses, their cell numbers, their, their home numbers, attacking them, issuing death threats. That's our new norm. And yet you got a moron like J.D. who calls up and wants to give the other side. There is no friggin' other side to Donald Trump. What is wrong with you people? He is a monstrosity unto himself. There is no comparison or equivalence you can make that will hold water. You are only going to embarrass yourselves for trying to defend a traitor. Period. And I wish you would get that through your heads. Do we have a caller there? No, somebody just phoned up to complain. <laughs> okay. It happens, folks. Stuff happens. But seriously, and if you are going to make an equivalence, please do better than going back to a shooting that happened years ago. Yes, it was tragic, and every Democrat said so. They didn't make jokes about Steve Scalise. They offered their condolences, their thoughts and prayers, and a call for gun control, even though the guy that shot Scalise was a Democrat. They didn't make it a partisan issue. They made it a human issue. But good Lord, as tragic as that story was and that shooting was, it did not, repeat, did not present any kind of clear and present existential danger to our friggin' democracy. So if you want to come up with false equivalences, A, you're going to fail. B, Put a little thought into it and come up with one better than what you have thus far. And see, don't even bother because there are none. There is no other side to Donald Trump. There is no equivalence. There is no excuse. There is no defense. There is no justification. He is a traitor. He is a threat to this country. And he needs to die in prison. Period. Folks, that's it. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you calling. Don't forget the website, DougBasham.com, B-A-S-H-A-M, DougBasham.com. We will do this all over again tomorrow, hopefully with you. Until then, take care.